OCO. My name is Candace Bird, and I am Cherokee Kwapa and Osage citizen. Welcome to Real Indigenous. This is my co-host. Call me Tully. I'm Jason Ace now. Let's jump into looking into and discussing Reservation Dogs Season 1, Episode 2, The Indian Clinic. So I think we'll start off with Tully this time, because I think I warned him that I was going to ask him to start off this time. Because in that way... We ask our elders for their uh, their wisdom and their their input. I'm the wise elder, son. You hear that? <laughs> Good Lord, we're in trouble. <laughs> to me, this was a remake of Sterling's short film, Good Night, Irene. It's his first film, I believe. Is that correct? I think you're right. I saw it a long time ago, and I barely remember it. So, like, yeah, Good Night, Irene is, again, it has Casey Camp, Hornick in it, and also uh, John Proudstar. And so there are, they show up again in this piece. And um, to me, it said it, so it's set in an Indian clinic, kind of the same thing. We see a lot of people waiting around, people holding their faces with blood on it. It begins with uh, Proud, John Proudstar signing his name almost the same way that Barry comes mm-hmm. in and signs the name, blood falls on the paper. It's, it's basically the same shot. And mm-hmm. so, but this, this guy, he had the, his hand bleeding because he jabbed a nail in it. And so it has these two cats who sit beside Casey Camp, speaking of elders, and they're like being disrespectful. They're like, this one guy's all cussing around, acting crazy, talking about all the women he's gotten on with and all this shit. And this elder's like getting kind of upset about it. And she's speaking in Creek and kind of talking about them and under her breath in a way. And then they turn, oh, you speak Creek. And this guy was like, I, I, I'm learning to speak Creek. And he starts trying to say some Creek words, but he says it incorrectly. And, and they laugh at him and all this stuff. And so anyways, it, it's kind of like the same thing. It's just people sitting in the, the Indian clinic. We see the clock as it's going over time. And, you know, finally Casey gets called up and she leaves. And over the time of the story, the, the, the men get to res- learn to respect the elder. And she teaches them some things. And as she's leaving, he's like, maybe I'll see you around. And she's like, I don't think so. And then we see her legs. She ain't got no legs. She's got the diabetes leg and all this stuff. And she goes down the hall. And that's how it ends. So to me, like, this was kind of like a remake of that short film. And so what I thought was interesting about it was that um, even like Barking Water also has an Indian clinic scene at the very beginning, if you guys remember Barking Water. Mm-hmm. And it too had a scene where somebody's being pushed out on a wheelchair. wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that time it was Richard Ray Whitman, who's also in this episode. And so to me, I felt like, you know, we're, we're, we're like coming back, like almost this kind of thing of repeating these, this, this theme and story that Sterling seems to really want or really like. There's something about this area of storytelling that was of interest to him. Overall, like, I felt like when we were talking about the first episode, it, it felt like we were just thrown in the kitchen sink. Whereas this second episode, we got to slow down a bit and we got to see kind of what's quote unquote native storytelling which is like, you know, one of the things that people say, like sometimes our native stories, we don't have bad guys in our stories. Sometimes we just have stories that have, like you said last time, uh, Jason, it's more focused on theme. And to me, this one was more of a thematic story. And we also had the mother in a different dimension as opposed to that party mother that I was worried about, right? Because now she's like this loving, caring mother who's like, like stepping in and trying to take care of her son and getting pissed off when, you know, people are trying to fight it. I think that what happens in this story 
that really like uh, was intriguing was it was also taking us into a world that most people don't know about, but Indians. So this was like a true Indian story. I felt like, you know, this is something that Sterling really wants to tell, a story that he wants to tell about this ex experience of Indian clinics and why is it important to tell this story and what you guys thought. I'm assuming we all have experienced Indian clinics at one point in our life. I wish I could get the time back that I've spent in in all the IHSs, you know, all that time, because it's like an all-day experience. Uh, have y'all seen Atlanta, the, t the TV series? Have I asked you this before? Did we did talk about that before. We've talked about it. I've never seen it. I probably shouldn't watch it since this is like maybe the second or third time you mentioned it. It's yeah. uh, parallels of this show. Yeah, I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but, uh, and he's mentioned that it was one of the influences and you can mm -hmm. really see it. And there's like one episode where they spend uh, basically the whole time in jail. And so you have this experience from the protagonist, his perspective, he's in jail, he's all the crazy shit that happens in jail, like the stuff that you can't even like think of, you know, I've been in a, a holding whatever. I didn't spend the whole time in jail. <laughs> we won't go into the details, but <laughs> I didn't see half the stuff. I didn't see half the stuff. But you're not you're not a true Indian man unless you've spent some time in a in incarceration. At least incarceration. <laughs> <laughs> incarceration. It's a bit dramatic, but yeah. But uh yeah, yeah. So so uh this character his character, like you see all these different things that you know, I remember seeing some of the things too, these crazy people in this in jail. And so what Sterling does with IHS is like, there's things that white people, like you're saying, they, they have never had to spend a whole day in, in, in IHS and seeing all these different experiences and like ran into family members and possibly people you don't necessarily want to see. And then there's all the gossip that you assume is going to happen. Like, oh, such and so-and-so was in, you know, what was he in hospitals? Well, I don't know. You know who knows? Like, so it's all this like kind of uh, drama and um, yeah, yeah. It, to me, it's very, very it was, uh, I'm actually going too far into my own topic. So I don't want to talk too much about it. You know, <laughs> I just, cause I don't have anything to say, but, um, but yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, um, I thought it was a very uh, interesting setting to, to place this episode. Um, I enjoyed it very much yeah and it is it is a very it's a contemporary native experience it's it's I, I, you know when you say it's indian it is indian but it's 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 a it's a contemporary indian experience i think possibly most most native people have had this experience i assume as far as like uh setting it at at ihs uh something that sterling mentioned on the mark Marin podcast was he was very intent that he wanted uh people to see because he and both Mark Marin, they discussed, you know, like uh, that Mark Marin said that, you know, he's not familiar with this world naturally, and that this is just something that uh, that is just something that our communities are just used to, that it's understood you're going to spend the whole day at IHS. You see people, you know, you see community members and you see the gossips and you know that they're going to talk about you later or they're going to talk about your family member later and it's going to go through the moccasin telegraph and everybody's going to know that you were at IHS that day. Sterling said that 
uh, but a, a positive thing that he wanted to put, and I thought that this was this was cool too. Like, yeah, a lot of us have have had adverse experiences at IHS, but he said that he wanted people to know that non-natives, non-native audiences to see we have Indian clinics and that we have those clinics, and especially specific to the Muskogee Creek people. What I think is very interesting about what they've done is their community, their clinics treat both native and non-native people. And so they've taken on a whole different <clears throat> enchilada with that with, and with their IHS and their their clinic facilities. Of course, uh, I enjoy the little the little things that he puts in, like throwbacks to different inspirations, throwbacks to uh, Fuss Fixico, who was a Creek cartoonist, you know, back at the turn of the century. And he mentions it in the Cliff Nesteroff book, you know, we had a real estate problem about how uh, Fuss Fixico could have arguably been one of the first comedians, stand-up comedians ever. He was on his way to actually talk. He was a cartoonist and he used that name, Fixico, Fuss Fix Fixico. And he used a different pen name, I believe. But on his way to actually give like a presentation, he died. And so he never got the opportunity. Like he was on a, like this was back, you know, like in the early 1900s, but you had to journey to go get to where you were going. And uh, I, I like that he named a character. I just like that he named a character Fixico in this episode. Uh, it's kind of like a callback to, but I'm going to, I'm going to get off my topic here and I'll get into native comedy if I'm not too careful. So anyway, <laughs> Jason, what's your topic? Um, IHS. <laughs> IHS so generic. But Let us have it. No, it's not. It's not generic. <laughs> but the, I guess the tropes in particular. But before I get into that too much, I wanted to speak to Tully's the concept of using the same people, like familiar, like a troop. I guess. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating to me that, um, and I get it. I totally get using these same folks, like uh, Richard Ray and Casey Camp, and like like I, I myself when I'm doing work or I'm part of doing work, I tend to use, I tend to be used by, you know, like I collaborate with Black Horse Low. I use uh, Lydell Mitchell. And then like, we all use each other, not use, but we all like uh, borrow, you know, each other, our talents, because we work, we know each other's work and we trust each other and we know each other's strength. It's, it's interesting to me to see, um, to see Sterling return to the, to those people. Who's the, John Proudstar, that's another one that he was, yeah, he'd worked with before. And it's, it's the reason that I think we do that as artists is that we, we, we know these people and, and they, they know us and we trust these people and they trust us. Mm -hmm. So it's funny to see, and not funny, but really cool to see these same people, you know, collaborating again. It is. Um, what would you guys say to that? What would you guys say to uh, that kind of concept? It's like, Tully, you work with your bro, Stephen Judd a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The thing was everyone does it, right? Everyone has their, specific team that they work with so like even you know look at quentin tarantino he's always going to have his same troop of people martin scorsese he has the same troop of people sometimes they even use your same cinematographers and your same editors you know and, and it's because you know they found a way in which they like to work with somebody and they have a language in which they can talk really fast and what they call like a shorthand language and, and it's so, really hard it's really hard to find these people right right you know, like Wes Anderson, you know, the brothers, I forget their names, you know, they, Wilson. yeah, the Wilson brothers, they went to co college together and he, they've been in his short films all the way up until now. So it's that same kind of story of, of like just having these, your group, you know, and I know like what I did like was that like even in Bark and Water, I think all three of those actors are in Bark and Water. So you got Proud Star, 
you got Casey Camp Hornick, you got Richard Way Whitman. And so that's why I felt like it. I made it into like, oh, this is the continuation of, the, of some of those storylines. Of course, Richard Way spoiled a, a, a movie that's about 10 years, 15 years old. But Richard Ray dies in that movie, so maybe that's maybe this was his twin brother or something. (laughs) 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 Candace, do you have any experiences like that where you where you work with people over the Oh yes. There's a there's a group that I have and we're in each other's there's an unofficial Facebook message group and we're always in the loop on each other's stuff, whether someone has a, a project going on and sometimes we'll be it'll light up and and they'll be like, Hey, I've got a project which one of you is available to do it. And they like to call on us. And I like to work with a lot of the same people because they call on me and, you know, and I'm, I like to answer their call when I can. And if I have a project that I think one of them is good for or a fellowship or whatever it is, you know, I'm like, Hey, there's this cool opportunity. Why don't you go apply for it? Or why don't you look into this, this grant or whatever it is? Yeah. Look into it. And, And they do the same for me. So yeah, it's really cool to find a group like that. And I don't know exactly how we came together. I think it was um, my friend, Kenny, Kenny Ramos. He just kind of put us all in this group together. <laughs> and he was like, he he, he kind of started it. So I don't know if you all know my friend Kenny, but if you all don't, you all should, because uh, he's an amazing actor. And if you all want uh, a cool California native. Uh, he kind of brought all of our brought our group together, and it's funny because the majority of it is women, actually. <laughs> so he was able to just put this group together, and it's really cool because this group is very diverse, you know. And it's really cool for me to hear other perspectives that I hadn't heard before on, you know, on ways of making art, on just different topics and different issues, especially and especially on the arts and native country. I just thought it was an interesting topic to bring up because. Uh... Yeah, it seems like we all have those kinds of circles of people that we work with, like that we're comfortable with. No, I think that's what it is, is that there's this level of trust. Mm-hmm. Like we we trust one another with uh, their with their work. You know, if they say, hey, I've got the script, I'm going to let you see it. Please don't, please keep it on the down low. Don't tell anybody yet. I know I'm not going to go out there and leak it all over, you know, wherever and be like, hey, look what I'm working on. Nah, nah, nah. You know, there's a, there's just this element of of trust. That's what I like with this group. This group is with my my group of people that tend to that we call on each other regularly. What I wanted to address about the IHS topic that I wanted to bring up was the tropes, the tropes that uh, that I thought were funny. No one outside of Indian country would be aware of. There's the um, the all day wait. There's the Jana. Forgive me. I can't. Uh, yes, please. Maybe. I can't. I'm not going to try to do the last thing. <laughs> One day I'll learn that last thing. The, she like, plays like that, the trope of the mean IHS lady. And there's the, you know, there's the the, the, that, the concept of you have to sign in and have your chart number and all that stuff. No matter what the deal is, you can't skip ahead. There's no, it doesn't matter like how bad things might be in theory. You got to wait your turn. And then there's Dr. Kang, who is that guy you see them like these random white dudes, they're doing their doctor thing. And you know that they're only there for however amount of time that they have to be there. So they can pay off their, help pay their student loans or whatever. And then they're out to wherever they really want to be. They're just doing their time, kind of seeing their eyes are kind of dead inside. I don't know. There's, there's these tropes that like that occur. Can you guys think of any more that I haven't observed in this, uh, in this episode? Well, I mean, there were the, the cats who are selling stuff in the front. Yeah. You know, there's always somebody who's trying to sell some shit every once in a while. Sometimes they're walking around with their jewelry, trying to get you to buy something. Or they got, even if they got fucking raffled for, for something, 
<laughs> or sometimes it's your kids' uh, candy that they're selling for the school. But there's always that. And sometimes it's the motherfuckers in the, who are working, you know, and they're like. <laughs> always, know, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, That's just a regular thing around here. You know, when it's football season or it's basketball season or whatever, there's always chocolate. There's always cookie dough. There's always wrapping paper to be bought. It may, it must have been, it must be a long time since I've been to an IHS because maybe that period has happened since I've been to an IHS. This, this, this thing of selling, because yeah. that's, kind of, that's new to me. It's Solicitation. Like a, but nowadays it's Mary Kay. Benders, you know, that's, <laughs> that's new to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh uh, yeah, there was one other thing. Oh yeah, there. Uh, of course, um, I think you said uh, Whitman. What's his name? Richard Ray Whitman. Richard, yeah. Uh, I feel like that's kind of a trope too, where we have Western medicine versus traditional medicine, where we got mm-hmm. that going on there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it whenever she asked him, "You got anything for stomachache?" Nope. Nothing for stomachache. I would have thought that that would be a more common medicine, but he's got, it looks like he's got stuff for smudging. Mm -hmm. I didn't even look at his His table. Yeah, get a good look. Yeah, a lot of it looks like smudging stuff to me. Yeah, it looks like smudging stuff, but there is actual stuff you can, there's medicine for tummy ache. (laughs) Oh, is there? there? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He was holding out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There is medicine. For that, but I don't know what the creek medicine is, but I assumed it would be something similar to what mm-hmm. <laughs> what our people's used. But anyway, the other thing is that, like you said, the doctor, Doctor King. There's only one doctor. There's only one doctor, and that that's usually a thing to be experienced at IHS. Is that there's usually one doctor doing all of the things. Yeah, that's funny. I, I, I'm having a flashback to like uh, I think it was a couple of years ago when I was getting uh, the what's the hole in your tooth it's like the wisdom teeth drill it it's like Uh, they're doing the really root canal root canal root canal and i it was so expensive but i managed to get it like get like a ihs around here to do it and uh so i was getting it done but they put this big thing on my face and i was like kind of i don't know i was going through like a weird period of like kind of freaking out because that thing was on my nose anyways (laughs) And then she was like, she would disappear for a period of time and then come back. And I realized that she was doing two of them at the same time. I was like, I can't do this. I can't like have this thing on my face and be here. And it was like, it was freaking me out. I was starting to have like a, what's the panic attack. So it was like this, I was like, I gotta get this shit off my face. And so, yeah, it was a terrible experience. I was like, oh, I hate IHS so much because it's like you can't just like have one doctor. They're like spread between like, in this case, two people do it. I was like, no, I'm out. I'm out. I took the thing off. I was just like, I'm done. I still need to get that done. But yeah, I can't go back there. I'll just. But that's the thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing too about uh, the Indian clinic too. It's almost like it's archaic. It's almost like it's like a. Like they're using older Western medicine yeah. techniques. It's almost like, you know, they, they're not doing leeches, but they probably just did a few years before. You know, it's like, I, mean, I remember when I had a, a, a big yeah. thorn in my foot when I was a kid yeah. and they just chopped into that motherfucker. They just dug in that some bit and they pulled it out. And I couldn't walk for like two weeks, man. I had to, and they didn't give me no crutches or nothing. They tell me, just hop on out, motherfucker. <laughs> and I was like seven years old when this shit happened. Like, Here's some ibuprofen. <laughs> and, then always, and then at those fucking uh, dentists, man, they always say, no, don't go. They'll pull out the wrong tooth. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. get all that kind of shit happening. You almost, I, I expect to get like 10 year old, 10 year old technology. I'm like, is this, is this shit current? Like, are you giving me like the most, you don't trust, I don't trust it. <laughs> I don't trust it. It's like the, the most current technology. <laughs> yeah. And like, and, and even with the doctors, like the doctor you saw last week is not going to be the doctor you see the next week. You exactly. know, and it's like, like that motherfucker done split out, you know, <laughs> you really had a cat who stuck, stuck around for several years, you know, he's going to catch up with your chart. He's going to say, oh, what's going on here? Like, you know, that, yeah. that that's not a good like transition for your health because it's like, can I just have like the one guy for like a little like three years, four years? <laughs> well, I guess we'll move on to my topic. And my topic was more of a broad, a general, a general wash that will probably be recurring throughout this podcast is of course the timing of the native humor you know i was i was thinking about native comedians and um with the guest appearance of of uh, janish meeting and with uh, the guest appearance of the comedian i'm not familiar with his work um but his name is a bobby lee actually who was dr kang and i was just thinking of the the beautiful timing of that scene between him and bear's mom and Rita. and i that's i just couldn't stop laughing because i and i kept like rewinding it i don't know what that i i don't know what you call that anymore i don't think it's rewinding anymore but i kept shuffling back just because <laughs> i was just marveling at his timing <laughs> and how that situational comedy of sometimes that comedy can make me feel really awkward where you go from just a bad situation you, you put your foot into it and you're just making it worse and worse and worse <laughs> and sometimes as uh, sometimes i can get really into it but sometimes it, it turns me off but the way that uh bobby lee did it was just wonderful and beautiful and maybe it was because of also Rita's reactions you know where he's trying really hard to be like oh I, you know I would love to go hunting again soon <laughs> you know, I, I love the meat the meat of the deer the back straps <laughs> and it's just it's getting worse and it's getting worse and he can't fix it you know there's just no going back and she's like he was like just wanted to make sure you have everything you need <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, because she just—I love how normal she is in this episode too. Uh, like you said, I think it's a different side of her, very different side of her, and we get to see a little bit of what her day to day is at work. With uh, it starts off with tribal please. He's hitting on her. Then Doctor Kang, he's hitting on her, and she has to deal with that. And being the last one to know that her son got punched in the face. We have a lot of things going on there. But what do you think about some of the the timings of uh, of native humor? Because I know that Sterling also said, remarked this in the podcast too, where he talked about how sometimes it's not always the joke joke setup. It's silences and it's timing and it's pauses. And uh, I wondered if you guys noticed anything like that. Um, like when I love Jana's face when she's just like, you know, hey, this girl with stomach pains has her own selling meat pies. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about what do you all think about the pauses and the silences that I kept laughing, laughing out loud? Yeah, I think like, again, like I said, it's that really it's subtle humor. What I've, been, what I've been saying, mundane humor, which is probably not the best way to describe it, but just, you know, really subtle, like underpinning jokes. And a lot of times it's not like, oh, oh no, Adam Sandler, hilarious, you know, but it's like these funny moments, like like with the scene with uh, with Bobby Lee talking to the mother, you know, when he's talking about hunting and, and what made me laugh was like, 
she's like saying that I like to hunt. Where he's, I like to hunt. I like to fish. She, she says, I can hunt and I can fish. She says, I, I, I basically, I don't need you. I know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> and, so, and so that part, that part cracked me up. And like, like, what does he, like, he say? He's like showing him uh, what's the what. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, and so there's those like those moments that are like that where you know it's 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 to me like I said it's not really like laugh out loud, but if I was like in a crowd of, of audiences, I'm sure everybody'd be cracking up. And that's always the thing about Indians too. Like no matter no matter how funny the, the show is or the movie is, if you're in the group of Indians, you're gonna have loud motherfuckers laughing, just cutting up because they just think everything's funny, you know. It's like when you're sitting around even joking around, like even if it's just like cousin, he used to do uh, shut the rap and he would rap in Choctaw and everybody would just be busting out laughing. And, and it's just like, but it was just like, I, I didn't know half the shit he was saying, but just how he's doing it. Because and, and, I and everyone laughing just makes it like almost like a, a like contagious, you know, the the Kang scenes to me were like super hilarious super sharp the awkward so I, i'm a big fan of like the awkwardness of scenes and letting them breathe kind of like the office you know that they, they do that a lot yes. where you just yes. it just goes a beat or two longer than maybe necessary but it's just so hilarious and like excruciating sometimes but i think the genius of like the show is can do with like each episode is like we can actually spend 27 some odd minutes in an IHS and devote that kind of like energy and like awkwardness and pauses and letting scenes breathe. Whereas before we would have to do like a, I say we, the collective we as indigenous, you know, cinema or TV people that we watch that make movies, we'd have to put in the past at least like smoke signals. Again, I hate to pick on it, but it's like putting all these things into one movie, you know, whereas now we can do the collective we we could put spend 27 minutes in an ihs and invest in and, and investigate all those different tropes and and all those awkward pauses and and uh move on to something else the next episode so you don't have to like feel like you have to put i mean you could do that you could do that but you could spread it out over eight eight episodes so that's that's to me why this episode really succeeded because uh in addition to the really good sharp writing and the funny you know, acting and the pauses you can devote. Now we can devote that much time to one. I feel like that's a big success. I think my last observation would be like, of course, I love it whenever youth like to jump in and get their hands dirty and help make meat pies and all that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy a meat pie off of a, a kid that young. Uh, there's got to be an auntie or a grandma around. And also they're selling their meat pies for way too cheap. Three bucks. Three bucks. Are you kidding? Like if your meat pie isn't six or $7 at the very least, I'm like, mm, what kind of meat did you put in it? That's like just I mean. cost Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's not, if it's not, and if it's not like hidden, like, <laughs> maybe i'm just used to way osages sell meat pies and they're usually like hiding them you know like in an ice chest you know and like you know someone's going around with a meat pie and and so it's like grandma will be like hey you know they're getting meat pies so she'll hand me like 10 20 like go get go get some meat pies you can see them they're selling those <laughs> and they're wearing they have them in those thermal bags or they have them in a purse they have them in a bag and you got it you just kind of got to know to stop them 
And that's actually become a maybe a trope now, right? Because it's like meat pie. I know Oklahoma Indian people know what meat pies are, but out here where I'm at in New Mexico, like Albuquerque oh. specifically, that's not a thing. Really? Yeah, that's not ah. like a, well. There's not really like a lot of powwows out here too. Oh, oh, okay. well, that makes sense. Yeah, there's not really powwow culture. I mean, the biggest one in the world is advertised is here. But as far as like powwow itself, it's like there's not that that culture. It's not big here. Whereas that's where I would see a lot of meat pie vendor kind of situations here. It's like a lot of like uh, Pueblo foods and Navajo foods, which are really Mm -hmm. good also. But yes, uh, different. Yeah. I wonder if it was more started in Oklahoma, more of an Oklahoma thing of the meat pie. It could. Because when, yeah, when you venture out, I don't, yeah, I don't even, I'm, I'm going to have to pay more attention because I'm out in the world. <laughs> if, if there's like, you know, meat pies being served and everything. Are they in Minnesota? Are they in uh, North Dakota? You know, who's yeah. out there? Who out there is a, everyone likes to claim, you know, at least a, Pan Indian kind of things like Navajo Navajo people claim Navajo tacos, yeah. yeah. And uh, I say Indian taco just to be uh, contrary. I'm like, no, it's like everyone. It's for diabetes is for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this fried food and the clog arteries. Yeah. It's for, for everybody. All of us. Sometimes I call them diabetes discs. Did you guys ever see that movie Smoke? It's a yeah, Paul Oster, Wayne Wang. To me, the scene where the kids talking to the grandmother, and you know she's half blind, and she thinks it's her other grand, her grandson, but it's the that, the kid. Cheese and yeah. cheese, yeah, she thinks cheese is her her actual grandson, so he plays it. That made me think of that. Remember that, the Augie Wren story, the Augie Wren's Christmas story. Again, spoiling a movie that's like thirty years old. At the end of the movie, this uh, Augie Wren, the guy who owns the the smoke shop gives this writer paul a christmas story because he's he's blocked about writing a christmas story he's like, i have a good christmas story go buy me a drink and i tell it to you and it's almost like a 10 minute of just these two people talking and it's like almost camera let this stays on him for so long but he tells a story about how he pretended like he was this lady's grandson in this time that they spent christmas together and i always wondered i was when i was watching this i wonder if he was influenced by that movie and it's a and it's a good moment too, you know. I mean, I like the moment, like because at the end, you know, he's pushing her out. She's like, "I'm taking my grandma out for a walk," or whatever he says at the end. But I didn't know if you guys caught that or not. But but uh, Candace, you've not seen the movie, but you have, and maybe it's been a while since you've seen it. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. But I have like a, a hot take, as they say. The sincere the sincere scenes like that, yeah. <clears throat> they they they. I won't say they turn me off mm-hmm. so much is that I really it makes me really kind of, I like the subversive scenes. I like the, like the ones with Dr. Kang. And I like the, I find myself like not being almost, I, I don't, how to, I don't feel like I'm being manipulated, but I almost do when I, when I see scenes like the cheese thing with the grandmother and it's like, Oh, it's like this sweet scene that we're supposed to like. And I'm like, no, I don't want to see that. I want to see like more, funny Dr. King. I want to see more awkwardness. I want to see more subversion. To me, I get like that, what it ends with them too, right? He's taking her out in the, uh, yeah. and I know that the cheese is a very popular character and I know that people love, you know, sweet things. I don't like the sweet things though. I, 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 it, turned, it, it makes me long for like the, 
the awkwardness, uh, the sharpness of the other scenes where, you know, but I'm just a jerk, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, the execution too, maybe again, that thing that we talked about of how it, it doesn't land the way you want it to land. And so Candace, I think, seems like you have a different point of view of, of that scene. No? <laughs> no, I, I don't know how I felt about that scene, actually. Like, I know it's our ending scene and uh, it ends with the Oklahoma sky. It looks like a storm's coming. But what I thought it was, was I, I thought it was a play, like going back to his, like, once again, a recurring character. Uh, I thought it was one of those things where they're busting out of the hospital. Like I was kind of, I kind of took it as not subversive humor, but subversive in that I'm taking her, I'm taking my not grandma out of this, out of IHS and I'm not supposed to be doing it. And uh, so I thought it was more, I think it was supposed to be a character building moment for, for cheese and uh, for his not grandma. Cause we see her again. I think oh, I won't spoil it. I think we see her again. You know, he says at the beginning he didn't he didn't have a grandma. So I don't know. I I guess I I get I'm kind of confused by it. I suppose I don't know how it was supposed to land. I didn't think it was supposed to be funny, but I wasn't sure if that it was supposed to be sweet. I thought it was supposed to be edgy because I thought it was the I thought it was a play on the trope of the feisty grandma or the feisty older woman trying to get out, trying to bust out of the hospital because. You know, I'm a big fan of Frasier, and I just watched the episode where Roz is the angel of death. She goes and she visits all these nursing, these people in the nursing home because she's got to do community service and they all die on her, except for this one feisty lady, you know, who reminds her of just to live life, basically live life while it's still good, you know, and if it, if it gets bad, you know, you're just going to got to keep on living life, you know, and that, and so that's kind of what I was reminded of, actually, and I know that that's not, I don't think that's what Sterling was going for, but I think he likes to portray feisty, the feistiness of Indian women is what I thought it was. And I thought it was like this older grandma lady. Cause I'm wondering if she knows that she's is not her grandson. I, if that she, she's not fooled, she knows, but mm -hmm. I'm busting out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, I, that's, those are the questions and those are the things that, that sit with me. Yeah. And the busting out of the hospital, again, is what happened in Barking Water at the beginning, remember? Yeah, it's what, yeah, and wasn't, isn't that the same, that's not the same actress, is it? Yeah, same actress. It is the same actress. Yeah, yeah but she's, she's, she's she, busted she busted the dude. And this, she, yeah. did, she busted the guy out of the hospital. And the very, our very first impression of her is one, she busts him out of the hospital, and then she steals the gas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I wondered if maybe it's a return to that, too. Do, do we know who, who directed this episode? <clears throat> that was Sydney, wasn't it? He, yeah, it was Sydney. Yeah. So it's important for us to to remember that, like, although Sterling is the showrunner, there's like it, it, for this episode, there are probably at least four staff writers and a specific director who is not Sterling. So it's mm -hmm. like, who who's, who's to say what energy and direction Sydney brought to this? You know, it's like she's working with uh, not her script. And uh, Sydney, we both know Sydney, me and uh, Tully. She tends to do like a, kind of, would you say conventional type movies and TV or am I wrong? There? Well, so her first movie is very deep and very hard. Super personal. Very personal. Yeah. Uh, Drunk Town's Finest. I don't know if you ever saw it, Candace. It's a good movie. After that, I believe she went on to 
direct television. Mm-hmm. So like Grey's Anatomy, Walking Dead. I don't know what other shows she's done. She and, was probably the first and then to really do all that amazing work. Like yeah. to get it on TV. And she's kind of very influenced by like pop culture stuff. Like she made a, I don't remember what the name of the film is, but a short film about a kid who makes a time machine because she watched yeah. Back to the Future. And yeah, so, her stuff is very, very like, seems very mainstream and that's her wheelhouse, I guess, you know. But usually in television, I don't know how it is with this one. They, uh, it's usually the, 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 the head writers who have the control of what the story is and how it's directed. As a director, you're just making sure everything's moving and they already have the way the style looks. They already have the way in which the sh- show is to be shot. And you just kind of like fit within the editor. Yeah, yeah strict, editor. Yeah, strict mm-hmm. paradigm of how that story is told. And it's so like a template know, pretty much set in place, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how much how much input she had. in, the, uh-huh. But she was also a writer on, on set in as a staff writer, too. Is that correct? I think she was in a few of those episodes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I thought, I'm not sure which one. I'm sorry. What's I thought that? Sterling had written this episode. I'm sorry. He may have. I, I can't remember. I should have watched the credits all the way through. And uh, I don't remember. <laughs> let me see. What's it called? Reservation Dogs? I'll look it up right now. It's Indian Indian yeah. Clinic. The show that we're talking about, yes. Let's, let's, uh, let's take a break <laughs> for a commercial while uh, I look this up. Like Tully Googles. So the end credits of the show say that it's Sterling Harjo is the writer. And IMDb says... The writers were Sterling, Taika, and Sydney. Oh, for that one. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And Tommy Pico and Bobby Wilson. Oh, so five. Okay, yeah. so Bobby. And, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's right. TV. That's TV shows. You know, most of the time, it's probably everyone in that staff who writes the, the show. But mm-hmm. the person who, like, is given, like, the assignment of that particular show is usually listed as the writer so i don't know what exactly was the general makeup but overall like from our jeff harris teaching is that everyone <laughs> kind of sitting at the yeah. table is writing the show and giving notes and everything but it they takes, do they're writing that? they're basically writing like on it like we're doing right now they're on a zoom <laughs> yeah as the second season is happening they're, they're basically doing a zoom during the day so instead of a writer's room it's a writers zoom i don't know about the first i don't know how how they did the first season but second season they're basically like this i guess the main thing it was just like though sterling is a showrunner he has employed four different directors for this season and then there's four or five staff writers per show so it's not completely him all the time he's got like a collaboration of different people doing different things so we we may not want to assign certain aspects completely to him when there's like perhaps other influences going on any closing thoughts i love the episode i was really glad that that happened in the second episode that show happened when i saw it i'm glad i saw that i was like yes this is going to be like i'm going to enjoy the rest of this i liked the episode i thought it was good i thought it had some funny moments i watched it with my kid she seemed to enjoy it overall yeah like i said i thought it was a good good show i liked a lot about it i'm along for the ride we'll just see how it how it goes oh and the other thing too was sydney was like talking about writing for this show and in interviews how like this is like you know she's finally given a chance to tell the stories that she wants to tell whereas in all these other incline in you know these other tv shows you know, she's following, again, this Western storytelling map 
and now she's finally getting to tell the kind of stories that that, that she's always wanted to tell in this in this kind of way and it's a disney show <laughs> I, I do want to add it's, it's i think it's really just so cool to see her uh on this show knowing you know as we know her like mm-hmm. doing all these other shows and like yeah i think i read the same thing where like she was happy to be on this show and it's really cool to see her and sterling collaborate and because you know there's such talents and then now they're doing that um res ball. ball thing so yeah it's really just, just an exciting time props to my homies yeah. i can't believe i said that it's so corny but yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> props oh. to my homies i never say that <laughs> You did just now. <laughs> I left again, like uh, with the first episode, I had a, uh, some some trust issues that they that, that they broke through for me, and I knew I was a, like Tully said, I'm along for the ride, and that's uh, I loved where the ride took me in episode two, and it made me hungry for episode three, and so. Next time, we will be discussing episode three. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Same Indigenous time, same Indigenous channel. Remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it real Indigenous.